Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church where we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you with the life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other people. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's such a joy to be with you today as we worship God together. So this week is a special week in the life of the church. It's actually the beginning of the Christian season of Lent and it's not belly button Lent or like pocket Lent. It's Lent in the sense that it's a spiritual season of preparing hearts and lives for the, the miracles that happen at Easter. I'll be sharing more about this later, but it's 40 days of spiritual preparation where you, where you seek to experience God by doing things just a bit differently. It's training for the spiritual life. So right now, I would just want to, to pray for you, pray for this service as we go to God. Let us, let us pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for your presence. I pray right now that you pour out your Holy Spirit on your people in ways that we cannot yet imagine. That as we worship you, your Spirit is blessed and you bless the people that have gathered in person and online for this service of worship. That your Spirit falls in ways that we just can't even name yet. May your Spirit come and your will be done. Amen. Well, dear ones, today I, I want to tell you something, at least a little bit of something that I, I feel as if it's been bothering me. I, I really don't know the, the best way to say it or really even uh, to just to say what it is because so much of ha- that has been bothering me has just kind of it's just kind of the way things are. I've been a pastor for about 10 years now, a little over that, I guess, and, and I've been involved with church my, my whole life, and the thing that ha- has really been bothering me, at least lately, is how much time we spend teaching people about Jesus. Now, coming from your pastor that probably sounds a bit odd, right? That, that probably sounds a bit odd. I mean, because I actually believe that learning about Jesus is a good thing. I've spent most of my life learning about Jesus, about God, about the church. I, I, I spent a lot of my life doing this. I, I mean, I had a three years master's program where, where I, I devoted to, to learning about ministry in the church, learning about learning about how to study the Bible, how to teach the Bible, what it means to do the things of God in the church. And I wouldn't trade this for anything. I grew up going to Sunday school, doing all the things that you do to learn about Jesus. You see, a couple hundred years ago, churches in the West, Protestant churches in the West, started this thing called Sunday school. And, and this has been one of the main modes of religious education, of religious instruction for, for generations. I remember growing up in the church, and, 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 and when I was growing up in the church, I remember going to Sunday school, and I remember that there were people who were so perfectly attending Sunday school that they would get awards. I think these same people probably are the ones, the brown nosers, that got awards for perfect attendance at school, um, you know, like during regular school. Maybe in the world of COVID and trying to get people to stay home sick, we don't do perfect attendance awards anymore. I don't know. But... Um, but I remember these. I remember you would get certain awards for doing certain things and get stickers on your chart. And this was, this was a, like this desire and this value of learning. In fact, how, how kind of this shaped our landscape, the Sunday school as a movement kind of began at the same time as a movement about 
about, uh, about public education. So public education, and for those people that are interested in history and education stuff, like public education and Sunday school kind of started becoming together at the same, same time, a desire and a value for teaching. And I don't want to beat up on Sunday school either uh, because so much of the way we, we talk about faith in general has to do with learning. And I have a master's degree clearly, I think and I value learning. But the thing that has been bothering me is that it seems that church has become so good at teaching people about God rather than helping people truly experience God. So much of of what the church as an institution has done over the past several years is that we've become really good at telling people what to believe about God and Jesus and and, and probably not so great at how to, to lead people to experiencing a life renewed through Christ Jesus. I I think about how during the pandemic, churches around the country and around the world shifted to put worship services online. I mean, this looked different in in many different places, and and, and, and we had great people and have great people here at Kern Church that, that helped make this happen. That, that worked tirelessly week in and week out when, when, um, when, when we were supposed to be staying at home and, 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 and helped to get services online. Many of these same people are still involved in, in keeping our, our services online this day. I mean, even today, many of you are joining us for whatever reason from your home or wherever you're, you're joining us in worship. And I think this is a great thing that helps people stay connected to God. But the other thing that this has done, or really hasn't done it. The other thing this has really just kind of accelerated is that you can get things anywhere you want it, whenever you want it. I mean, it used to be that you had to come to church on Sunday to learn about God. Perhaps that's the world in which you grew up in. If you came to church on Sunday, this was one of, if not the only way to learn about God. Maybe you had like the, the public radio hour where you would listen to you know, the radio preacher or the, the te- television preacher, for, perhaps. But for most of most adults, myself included, that, that um, if you didn't get to church on Sunday morning, you didn't learn about God. But the thing is, and this just isn't the case anymore. You, you can listen to great preachers any time of the day or night that you want, and all you have to do is click a link on your phone. Used to be you'd have to, to watch them on TV, and, and now all you have to do is to, to click a link on your phone or your computer. On top of this, you can listen to, to great music by just asking your, your smart speaker to play whatever music you want to. And assuming that you have paid the bill, you're going to get whatever music you want to at any time of the day. I mean, I love this. I can be playing whatever music I want to in any room of my house, and it all works together. And then you can, you can like, world-class universities have their courses now for free on YouTube and on other streaming platforms. There is no lack of knowledge. We live in a world in which knowledge is not something that, that is hard to find. You can just get it. But you know what I think there is? There's not a lack of knowledge. There's not a lack of, of learning. There's not a lack of information. But there is a lack of experience. 
There's a lack of experience. There's a lack of connection. There's a lack of community. I was reading recently, and I was stunned by some of the most recent data on loneliness. You see, nearly 60% of U.S. adults report that they feel lonely. 60% of U.S. adults report that they feel lonely. And you may think, oh, this is because of COVID. This was true before COVID. And this is even more true today. And and kind of counterintuitively, at least to me, this is even more so amongst young people. Loneliness is worst amongst young people. In fact, 80% of young adults, 80% of young adults, 18 to 25, report to feeling lonely. 80%. On top of this, about half of young adults, and that extends to about 35, half of young adults claim that they always feel left out. 80% of young adults claim they're lonely, and then about half of them claim that they always feel left out. I mean, at a time when when you can get anything you want online, at a time when you can get a college degree from the comfort of your couch, at a time when you can learn about Jesus from the most respected preachers around the world at any time, at a time like this, there is so much disconnect between the lives of people, the lives that people are living, and what the church is doing. So much of the way that the church has operated over the past 200 years is like this. It's like, let me teach you something. Let me teach you about Jesus. We have this book called the Bible, and if you open it, I will be glad to teach you about it. But now people can learn anything they want at any time they want. Now you can learn anything you want, anytime you want, but people are doing it alone and their hearts are breaking. People are doing it alone and their hearts are breaking. Perhaps you feel that too. This is what has been bothering me. The the church has been so busy teaching people about Jesus that we have forgotten what it's like to actually help people experience Jesus. And here's the thing, knowing God is important, but experiencing God is better. Knowing God is important, knowing about God is important, but experiencing God is better. This is a fact that, that, Jesus, that Jesus wanted those who followed him to really live. When Jesus uh, walked the earth about 2,000 years ago, he was always surrounded by people, especially his disciples. These are the, the folks that were closest to him. There were 12 of them, and they were really just the people that were closest to Jesus. And, and, and one day, Jesus asked his disciples, what do people know about me? What do people think about me? What do people say about me? And, and so they go through this whole list. The, the disciples, those closest, are listening to the crowds and trying to figure out what people know about Jesus. And this is before you can know anything with the click of a mouse on, on, uh, uh, you know, on, on a tablet. But, but Jesus is, is asking, what do people know about me? And they start going through this list. And, and they say, you know, some think you're John the Baptist. Others, others say you might be Elijah. These are old prophets, Okay. And, and some think you're Jeremiah, or maybe some people think that, that you might be some other prophet who's just come here to, to tell people things, to do good things. And Jesus turns to them and says, well, that's kind of great that that's what people say about me. I'm just kind of curious. And he says, what are you? 
What are you? What are you? Those who are closest to me think about me, know about me. And then one of his followers, a guy by the name of Peter, stood up and said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know what, you're right. You're right, that's who I am. You know who I am, great job. But Jesus knew that knowing about Jesus wasn't enough. Jesus knew that, that while knowing God is important and knowing who Jesus is is important, that experiencing God is even better. So Jesus wants those to, to, that are close to him to, to really experience who he is. And that's where we pick up the story. And if you've got a Bible and want to follow along, be looking at Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, that, that Jesus' followers have just said, you know, this is who you are, this is what we know about you, and, and Jesus wants something more, than the, more from them and more for them than just knowledge in the head. And, and so we pick up that story in verse, verse 1 of chapter 17. Six days later, so six days after, after they had this knowledge about Jesus, Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. So, so Jesus, knows, Jesus knows that for his followers, that knowing about him is good, but experiencing him is better. So he takes three of his, his followers up to the top of a very high mountain. And Peter has just proved that he knows who Jesus is, and, and, and so he takes him with him, and something amazing happened. And, and basically, this what happens basically defies real explanation. And we pick it up in verse 2. Jesus was transformed, or perhaps your Bible translation may say transfigured. Jesus was transformed in front of him, in front of them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. And, and Peter reacted to all this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. It's good that we're here. If, if you want, I'll make three shrines. And, and, and one will be for you, and one will be for Moses, and one will be for uh, Elijah. And while he was still speaking, look, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I dearly love. I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. Hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. But Jesus came and, and touched them. He said, get up. Get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. In this moment, Peter and James and John were transformed from knowing about Jesus to really experiencing Jesus. To really experiencing Jesus. In experiencing the fullness of God, they were overcome by the presence of God and they were filled with awe and, and even fear. I mean, they probably didn't know what was, what was happening. They, they probably didn't know really what they were experiencing specifically, but they knew it was powerful. And, and so Jesus didn't want them to miss out on this experience. So he goes over to them and he, and he touches them as, 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 as a parent touching a, a frightened child and says, get up. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And in this moment, they no longer, they no longer, it's no longer about what they know about God. 
In this moment, it's no longer what they think they know about Jesus. It is them experiencing who Jesus really is. It's them experiencing who God really is. And all they want to do is worship. In a moment like this, words just kind of fail. I mean, Peter doesn't want to know what to do, so he's like, why don't we worship you, Jesus? I don't want to leave here. Let's just build some things and, 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 and devote ourselves to worshiping you. Because they're realizing that knowing about God is important, but experiencing God is so, so much better. This reminds me of, of my experience during the, the great uh, American solar eclipse in 2017. Perhaps you were a part of that or you saw, saw that. And I don't really know if, if here in Knoxville area, if you got to see the totality and the whole thing or if you had to travel places. But, but where I was living at the time, it was right in the center of totality. I was in Meigs County, Tennessee, and there was never more people in Meigs County, Tennessee than there was during the solar eclipse. We had never seen, I mean, even when like somebody's transporting a farm silo down the road behind like this big 18-wheeler, there was never more traffic in Meigs County in Decatur, Tennessee than there was in I think it was September of 2017. We were, where we were living was just a couple miles north of us was where like the maximum totality was. So we had nearly two full minutes, two full minutes of totality. We kept our kids home from school that day and just kind of made a day of it. And I didn't know what to expect, right? I had to read about it. And perhaps if you participated in this, you remember reading about it and, and taking in all the news and, and, and hearing about what this eclipse was going to be like, what it will feel like and appear as, as, as the moon crosses in front of the sun. One of the things I remember the most is that people who claim to know about an eclipse said, it's going to be like a full moon, but in the daytime. It's going to be about the same as much like full moon light as it will be in the daytime. Then I remember reading somebody who had actually seen a solar eclipse and said, these people have no idea what they're talking about. They have no clue what they're talking about. They're just trying to make words for things that they had not seen. I, I remember downloading an app to help with the timing and, and so that we would know when to go outside. I also remember just reading about these strange phenomena that were supposed to happen as the moon covers more and more of the sun. And I was informed, and I knew about as much as anyone could know without being an astronomer, right, before the event. But then something happened. And if you experienced it, perhaps you had a similar experience. Then something happened, and to this day, it's really kind of hard to explain and to put into words, but as the moon crossed in front of the sun, the experience was like nothing that I had read. I knew everything that I thought I knew about it, but when I experienced it, it was like nothing that I had read. My experience was nothing like moonlight. It was completely different. When the sun fell behind the moon, there was a corona, a glowing crown around, around the moon. The, the glowing crown around the darkness of the moon was an experience that, that, that even defies explanation today. Words, I don't have the words to explain what happened. To this day, sometimes I, I still get cold chills thinking about the experience and the wonder that was on display. I can only imagine if you lived in a time before the internet and before television news, what you would be thinking if this were happening outside. Then after the experience, 
I was so excited about it. So I just like talking to everybody about it. And I remember talking to a friend who lived just about an hour south of me. And, and I was like, you know, did you experience the eclipse? He said, yeah, we went outside for a little bit and saw it. It's kind of neat, um, but it's really, really kind of hyped up. It's really kind of unremarkable. I mean, there wasn't really anything special about it. You just kind of saw the moon go over and then kind of like disappear. But he didn't get the experience, right? He didn't get the experience of totality, of that, that brief moment in time when the world just stopped. He didn't truly experience the eclipse. He only knew about it from the account of others. And he just was like, you know, I know about it, and I saw a little bit of it, but it's just kind of unremarkable. That makes sense. You know, knowing about something is important, but experiencing it is so much better. My mind is even drawn to more recent events. Perhaps some of you have, have read about or, or heard about the revival or the outpouring that, that started in the past couple weeks at Asbury University in Kentucky. Uh, for, for Methodists and United Methodists, a lot of people know about Asbury Seminary. It's a, a seminary in, in Wilmore, Kentucky, like in the middle of nowhere, uh, that, that trains a lot of pastors who are then Methodist pastors. But Asbury University is a separate institution right across the street, and they're good neighbors, I think, but uh, they're separate institutions and all this kind of stuff. Well, on, on February 8th, it was a normal, kind of normal Wednesday at the university. They had chapel as normal, but then something happened through the midst of the chapel service. I want to share with you the words of the president of the university describing it. He said that at the completion of a regularly scheduled chapel service on February 8th this year, at Asbury University, students lingered to pray and worship and share, and they have not stopped, and moreover, have been joined far and wide by hungry men and women across the world who desire to seek the Lord in this space. And this is continuing to happen, has not stopped. What's happened is that a chapel service turned into a prayer meeting that turned into a revival and an outpouring of the Spirit, and, and, and there's countless people that have tried to get into this small town. I can only imagine that it's like Meigs County during the eclipse, like you want to like close the county off so nobody else will come in here because you can't get to the grocery store, right? Like that's, that's what's happening in this small little town, and perhaps you've read about it. And, 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 and as I've read about it, I, I've seen that people, I know people who have been there, and some, you know, have differing opinions about things. We all like to have our own opinions and think our opinions are really important. Um, they're not, just, you know, just kind of a side note, your opinion really isn't all that important on things. Uh, my opinion isn't really all that important on things. Uh, but, but what has happened there in, in hearing about just the encounter of the students that God is working on their lives, it's really, really amazing. In addition, the same outpouring has then kind of been shared amongst other universities and has spread in other places. And, and I, as, as one, I don't want to you know, say really too much commentary about it other than what, what God perhaps is doing in their midst. Anyways, after the, the chapel service, I'm going to share some reflections now from, uh, from an international prayer movement that, that interviewed some folks that were there. And, and you see, after the chapel service, it was kind of a standard, ordinary thing, and, and at 11 o'clock they had classes. I remember being at a university, you have chapel, and you have to get out of chapel, you go to class, you have exams. And so some students went off to their 11 o'clock classes, but others stayed and spontaneously broke into groups and began to pray for one another. One student had an 11 o'clock class to go to, but, but she looked back on the moment and decided that she wanted to stay in the chapel. And she said, my heart was just hurting. And I was like, God, I, I need to just stay and repent. She said, it's the first time I ever skipped class in my life. 
Well, something seemed to shift, and, and a student uh, shared that in the moment, she thought, how can I stand in your presence because you are right here now? This is the most physical I've ever felt the presence of God. And people started coming back to the chapel eager to get right with God. Uh, a gospel choir began singing until they broke for lunch. And when they came back into the chapel, people were still there worshiping and praying. And, and one of the students' words that the piano hasn't been quiet since. We also heard stories of God interrupting and encouraging other people outside of the initial meeting. One of these stories was about an Asbury graduate who lived in the area, and she felt that God interrupt her normal routine on that Wednesday and at about 9 a.m. before the chapel meeting even started. She felt that God was prompting her to, to make her guest room, to prepare her guest room. And she wondered, why, Lord? Uh, but didn't hear anything else, and so she prepared her guest room and then went on her way. By noon, she had heard about what was happening at the chapel, and prayer and worship weren't starting the presence of God was being felt in a fresh way. And sure enough, fellow alumni from out of town wanted in on what God was doing. And they asked her, you know, can I stay? You have a place for me. Soon it wasn't just the alumni, the account continues. Students from other universities wanted to join in. And, 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 and we talked, they say that we talked to a group of students who had driven six hours from Wheaton College to see what was happening at Asbury. The first shock was the intergenerational aspect of it. One of the visiting students said, I, I thought that it was going to be a bunch of 20-somethings, but I saw people in their 80s and also babies. Babies were screaming and it was all okay. The next thing he noticed is that people here are so normal that Jesus was the only celebrity here. There's no production, no screens, no famous leaders. And this account concludes that it echoes what the former dean of the chapel says of the outpouring of the Spirit in the community that they're, that's happening. He said, this is kind of the thing that you just can't make happen. If you go out onto campus with a megaphone and say, hey, let's get back to chapel, everybody, you're not going to be able to do it. If you've ever been on a college campus, you know like chapel is not like, going to attract people. Like, this is, anyway, um, I, I, I never skipped church more than when I was in seminary, but anyways. Probably shouldn't be confessing that. It's on the internet now. Um, but, but that's the thing about, about the outpouring. It's not generated by us or anything here. It's generated by the Godhead. Now, I, I share that really without commentary, but just listening to the lives of being impacted and, and, and seeing that this is an experience. You know, time will tell what the experience turns into. Time will tell the lifelong fruit of this. But the experience of God. I've seen some expressing admiration for what's happening. I, I've seen others that are a bit more skeptical. But what is clear, what is clear, is that many are having an encounter with God, experiencing the power of God in a way that they just really didn't expect. You know, this idea of, of how God, of how you experience God is so, so important. It reminds me of something else that Jesus said to Peter. Right after Peter told Jesus, uh, right after Peter told Jesus who he thought he was. You know, you're the Christ. And right before Jesus took him up on this mountain to experience who he was, Jesus told Peter that, that in, in Matthew 16, verse 18, if you want to make a note of that, in, in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus told Peter that I'm going to build my church on you. So Jesus got the right answer. And, and, and before he goes up and has this experience with God, Jesus says, you know, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus told Peter, I'm giving you the keys to help people actually experience God. This is the power of the church. This is the power of the church, of community. And as much as I love online stuff, this is just hard to do online. And more than that, I don't think it can even fully be done online. Jesus gives the keys of experiencing God to the church. One of my mentors says that, you know, oftentimes we know that Jesus gives the keys to experiencing God to the church, but we just say, here you go, Jesus. I don't really want them. Uh, why don't you do something? Don't, don't make me actually do it. Here you go, Jesus. Take these keys back. Don't, don't give them to me. But Jesus says, no, you take them. You take them. That's your job. That's your job. That is your job. Your job is to lead people to me. Your job is to help people experience me because teaching people about Jesus is important, but experiencing Jesus is better. So I want you to know that there is, is no better time than today to just experience Jesus. In fact, on Wednesday, we will observe Ash Wednesday. And, and Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, which is a 40-day season of preparation. It's 40 days of preparing you and your heart for the miracle of Easter. And, and my hope for you today is that through Lent, that you are able to experience God. My hope for you today is that through Lent, that, that you can experience God. And I hope to help you do that. Often, People talk about giving things up for Lent. And, and this is such a great practice because, because when you deprive yourself of something that you really like, then you are forced to rely on God. If you deprive yourself of something that, that, you really, that really empowers you and that you really enjoy, then you have to fill that presence with something and, and it forces you to rely on God. But Lent is also a time to, to look at your spiritual practices, practices and to see if there are things that you can do to see if there's things that you can do to help you experience Jesus, to help you experience the presence of God. So included in your worship guide today, and if you're online, it's also available online at kernchurch.org slash Lent, uh, I've included some information about how you can help yourself experience God. So if you didn't grab a, if you didn't grab a, a, a bulletin, there's a blue insert in here. So, so grab it, okay? Take, take a bulletin and and um, there are some ways that are here that are, that are designed to help you experience God. There's nothing revelatory about them. Some of them I use myself, others I don't right now. But it, but it has information about fasting and prayer and, and different ways to help you in that. And then if you, if you just follow the link at kernchurch.org or you scan the QR code, it'll take you directly to the website to where you can then click and, 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 and find all the information that is there. And my hope is that this can help you experience Jesus. And perhaps you know something else that's happening in your life that's so good. I want you to share that with me to help me experience Jesus. So here's the thing. People are lonely, right? People are lonely and people need connection. People are lonely. Perhaps you are lonely and need connection. And the experience of the experience of belonging that comes through a life renewed by Jesus is the answer to loneliness. 
Jesus is the answer to the biggest problem perhaps that's facing people today, loneliness. Loneliness of the heart, and Jesus is the answer. The community brought by the church is the answer. So I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying that God's resurrection power will bring new hopes and dreams and possibilities in your life. In your life. That these new uh, possibilities and hopes and dreams will, will come in our midst as, as you are invited and as you experience Jesus as did Peter. So that, that Kern Church will be the place and, and be the community where people belong and find hope in a life renewed by Jesus. Several months ago, I was talking to you about prayer. And, and, and I said that Jesus taught his followers to pray for miracles and expect God to make them happen. I mean, at Asbury, there's, there's people that have been praying for revival for, for years, and, and they probably expected God to make it happen, and then God made it happen. Jesus taught his followers to pray for miracles and expect God to make it happen. You see, friends, God is real and doing powerful things today. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit let us pray for miracles. Let us pray for, for God to, to pour out His Holy Spirit on you to experience breakthroughs and so that people can experience the life and the presence of Jesus. Because knowing God is important. Knowing about God is important. But experiencing God is better. So right now, I want to invite you to join me in prayer. And we're going to pray a breakthrough prayer the words are on the screen and also in your bulletin. And I just ask you to pray this with me. I also ask you every day to, to set an alarm perhaps at 11.01 and pray this together as a church. And, and I, I'm so heartened when, I, when I'm around people at 11.01 and their alarms go off. And I'm like, you know, it interrupts our meeting and, or whatever is happening. And, and, and begin to pray and think. Let's, let's pray this together. God, release the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break through and bring miracles of new hopes, dreams, and possibilities for our church and in our own lives. Grant to us your boldness to follow Jesus into your new and unknown future so that each one can have an encounter and experience with you. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. O oh God, send forth your glory. Fill your people with your love, so that each one may leave filled with an experience of you to share and to live, and you're connected and you're belonging through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. And remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.